unleashing the power of people, businesses, and brands to move society forward. That's the messaging you'll find on the About page on Profit's website. Profit is a global consultancy firm helping companies around the world think differently about growth and transformation, especially in times of disruption. Many of these clients come from the healthcare industry. Joining me today on this episode is Paul Schrimpf, a partner in Profit's healthcare practice and part of the North American leadership team. Paul has a lot to share about the process of transformation in the industry and is the host of not one, but two podcasts. I'm Carol Flagg, host of this show. Take a listen. Well, Paul, welcome to What's My Tagline. I'm so excited to be talking with you today. Well, thanks for having me, Carol. I'm looking forward to sitting down and having a conversation with uh, a pioneer and living legend in the healthcare podcasting space. Oh, so my I'm gosh. Equally so excited to be here. <laughs> More excited probably to be here to have a conversation with you. So thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, living legend. I, that, is a, that is a big stretch. Uh, that might be just related to my age, though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a tagline in there that you can work around there. <laughs> I, I've gone through my life with a number of different taglines, but uh, living legend. <laughs> Legend. I don't know. I, I might. I, I might actually just adopt that. But then now <laughs> yeah, I'm going to yeah. turn it around on you, because yeah. as you know, my opening question of all my guests is: If you had to describe yourself as a tagline, what would it be? Oh yes, and and we do uh, at Profit. We think a lot about this because it's kind of how we think about our, our styles and in, in, in collaboration. But uh, my tagline would be strategically pragmatic. Oh, yeah. First of all, I never get I never get a two word tagline. That's really <laughs> well, <laughs> you are dealing it. with somebody who who does this for a living. Like, I know I can't just I give you a, a list of attributes that go on and on. Like, no, it's gotta it's gotta sit in a very tight spot. <laughs> a two word tagline. I th- that's yeah. like my dream. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, living legend, right? That's why you came. Living no, legend's there. <laughs> Because the hard, the easy part's picking the words. The hard part's with words you're not going to pick, and that's always agonizing. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, strategically pragmatic. When you say that, paints a picture for me right away as to what you're talking about, which is, of mm-hmm. course, uh, what a, a good tagline should do. Right. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's one of those pieces where I've learned over time. There, there's always two parts to thinking and I kind of I'll call it maybe altitude sometimes where I'll sit at 30,000 feet or drop to five feet. Um, but I think the we consultants or the, the stereotypical ones that get cased, cast in a bad light are, are those that spend too much time thinking about a strategy or thinking about the concept or thinking about problem solving and don't actually get to well, how do you get it done? Right. And then on the converse, you know, I've worked with you know, a lot of organizations where you show up and everybody's working frantically, it feels a little disorganized and they go, well, we, we kind of run uh, like a, like a startup here. I'm like, well, there's startups and then there's just being busy and working frantically. Um, and you really need both to where if you're going to be working, getting scrappy, getting things done, you want to be efficient in moving towards a common purpose and the same thing on the other side is you want to be thinking holistically and very intentfully in how you're deploying your efforts and resources, um, but then also go do something about it. So I try to live at that intersection as best as possible. Yeah, yeah. So I, in my opener, I told our audience, obviously, that you are a fellow podcaster with a couple of different shows. But before we mm-hmm. talk about that and we, we talk a little bit more about profit, uh, Phil, fill us in about your journey and your background. I know how 
you got into healthcare and what keeps you passionate about the industry? Yeah, it's it's the the questions about careers I, I find fascinating because I love listening to interviews like this almost in, in every topic. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny where people kind of draw the start and stop of their career or their day job. And, and you want to go with with your degree, which is, is part of it. It's, it's functional. But I often, as I, as I look at executive traits around leadership styles or problem solving, collaboration, I, I forget how much I've learned from like my family and my siblings. I'm like the youngest of, of three. And I look at myself some days going, oh my God, I'm doing exactly what Jim would do or what Susan would do. So these interesting skills I've learned, you know, start at an early age, but um, I think to kind of make sure that we keep this interview to some finite amount of time, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's easier to kind of jump to um, kind of, you know, your, um, you know, university, undergrad grad space where you know i came in and was thinking you know i was open to everything i was entertained and curious about everything which i'll get back to in a moment um and okay but what, what what's the most pragmatic in terms of of getting a job and that clearly led me towards the business side of things uh, i liked accounting i liked economics um because i thought there was a, a seriousness and a rigor to that and a science to it and but I really liked the marketing side, the growth side, the strategy side, which I always thought was more fluffy because when you're an undergrad, you don't really know the different business sides. So you go to marketing thinking, oh, advertising. And, and, and I later learned it was much more than that. Um, and that eventually led me to my master's degree in, in marketing research and analytics. So I actually have a, a degree in math, slightly different than an MBA. But at the center of all this is just this natural sense of curiosity and understanding human behavior. Um, and it's funny because as I look back at a, a lot of my, like I said, functional training, you know, I was, you know, educated by a lot of essentially ex-sociologists and psychiatrists, and it was social science techniques that we were applying to, you know, human observation qualitatively or marketing analytics, et cetera. Um, but I've learned that I've always got a constant curiosity around what makes people tick both as, you know, customers, as professionals, professionals, as, as employees, but at, at behind every great business or innovation or something moving forward, it's, it's, it's somebody or some group of people thinking about something differently or doing something differently. And the idea just happens to be the vehicle. Right. Right. Yeah. And so your natural curiosity obviously led you to try to figure out what makes people tick mm -hmm. what yep. and what makes companies tick, right? Yep. yep. Uh, when you when you finished grad school, uh, what was your first like quote job? <laughs> your big yeah. job, yeah. Well, I was doing a lot of work at the time. Um, I was one of those people that you know went to night school for my master's, so I kept working. Um, and I was doing a lot of work in CPG at the time around marketing mix modeling. And there was a nice little golden era of marketing analytics, particularly in the CPG and retail space, where we had a lot of data that was neatly aligned about, around weeks and months. And you were largely spending in TV or radio or print advertising. And you could essentially run sophisticated regression models to understand how your marketing was working. 
Um, so there's a big boom around that area, which is era as, as that since has moved into like more digital and it's a little bit more around attribution analytics, but doing a lot around marketing analytics, um, helped, uh, with the first wave of Accenture's marketing science team. So it's kind of funny as I look back and, and say this out loud, like I was interested in social sciences and the science of things and ended up being part of a group called marketing sciences at Accenture, where we did a lot of uh, that type of work, uh, assortment analysis, which is kind of why people make the choices that they do. And if they're picking from five items and you reduce that down to four, do they walk away? Do they just pick another, um, which helps get to a much more uh, efficient uh, assortment for whatever product or service you might be selling. Uh, and it was fun kind of being part of that way because we were attached to the big IT engines at the time of Accenture coming in, helping organizations with their data and technology and a big byproduct around that was how do you run a more efficient and effective marketing team uh, where kind of the first chapter is kind of after, after grad school. Yeah. And uh, you talk about sort of this golden age and things, of course, have, have changed, you know, as we all operate in this, you know, digital, digital mm-hmm. environment. Healthcare, healthcare really is now a part of that as well. And some yeah. of what you're talking about are these sort of conversations that were, that are really happening right now in healthcare and this, you know, you know, consumerism, healthcare, and with that comes act- actual data and social influences and some of the stuff that you're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's, um, what's fascinating about healthcare is there's so much that we can learn from other industries and watching, I call at least the system of the culture kind of um, wrestle with itself. And whether we've got consumerism or patient experience, but the weird part about healthcare is the dynamics from an economics perspective are different than other industries, meaning other industries, um, there's a customer, that customer gives you a payment and they know the transaction and the price of everything they're about to do beforehand. In healthcare, the game's completely different. If we go with the provider side, Whereas I don't have the option not to make the transaction transaction. I've got a broken arm. It needs to be fixed. I've got cancer. I need to be treated. What might have you. I'm also not told the price of that before the transaction. And I'm also not in charge of paying it. And so that kind of changes the game of how we have to think about digital and technology is how people are engaging, how, when and how they want to engage. There is the consumerism aspect and the wellness aspect where you've got a chunk of the population that is active in their health, maintaining their health, and they want to make themselves even better. So it's like that healthy person trying to be extra healthy. And where I think we still haven't cracked the code is the burden of patients on healthcare from a cost perspective and a capacity perspective are those that aren't really engaged in their health. And we've seen this game play out where it's like, well, if you have diabetes, you must not know that you have it and you must you know, not know that you're overweight and I'm guessing you don't know that you should be eating better. So if I tell you to exercise more and eat better, you won't have diabetes. And, and that's not the barrier. Th- those, are, those are different problems where it's about making things easier, more accessible, um, and being able to deploy solutions uh, in a less obtrusive, more passive way that I think we need to crack the code on. And so you're, you know, you're, you've got, you know, a, a 
you know, education background, you've got your graduate yeah. degree, you're working for Accenture, you're in this, you know, data and social sciences area. Mm -hmm. uh, where did you take it from there? I mean, we're going to talk about profit here in a second, which is a, a very large uh, global consultancy company with mm -hmm. a healthcare division. So they are yeah. obviously... Uh, profit is in other industries other than healthcare. Uh, so how did that? How did that? How did that translation work? Yeah, I think over the years I've kind of done. I've lived on two sides. So I think within the data and the analytics space, it's you want to be using data and facts to prove out hypotheses and make informed decisions. But having done it as long as I've have we sometimes make the accidental error of ignoring intuition and expertise. And what I mean by that is on the front end of any data analytics project I did, or even before we do just simple research, we'll sit in a room and come up with hypotheses. We'll look at some raw data. We'll look at some facts. And I'm always amazed if I were to make a broad assumption that we're probably 70 to 80% right on day one, and we're looking to data to validate it, maybe change that. And usually that helps paint a picture. And what I've found is it's good to have the answer. It's good to have an alignment and direction, but there's now usually another barrier in terms of why something is or isn't working. And it's usually related to a bias or ways of working, but it always kind of rears its head. I think the one piece that always comes up that, um, I wouldn't say I get angry about it, but I kind of get annoyed with it is within healthcare is this overemphasis of the patient. I mean, obviously oh. we're in health. Yeah. It, there's obviously we're in healthcare. We treat patients. It's like if we're a restaurant and all we talk about is like, we serve food. It's all about the food. I'm like, well, that's not the only thing that defines a restaurant. But when we look in the B2B space or prescribers or things of that nature, there's a lot of things. And if, if we tap into our own patient experience, we're not in control of somebody else is making the decisions about that. And, you know, let's just take a, a, a specialist, um, for example. So if I uh, break my hip and I find myself needing a hip replacement, I go in, I have that procedure done, and then I'll need to do some rehabilitation. Now, I wasn't planning on breaking a hip, so it's not like I've been kind of researching rehabilitation right. options prior right. to that, right. um, you know, insert stroke. And then I'll be looking at my care team, whether that be my orthopedic surgeon, whether it be my case manager going, what should I do? Now, legally, I have the option of picking any place I want to go, but I don't feel equipped to make that decision. So my orthopedic surgeon or my case manager will likely recommend or infer some place to go. And then that's my, it could be a skilled nursing facility. It could be a physical therapy, et cetera. But, but there's a choice being made in which I'm showing up in a healthcare facility in which I largely didn't make that decision. Um, and I can keep doing number of different risks, whether it's being prescribed a drug, whether it's um, being treated for cancer, but the amount that a patient relies on other healthcare professionals to direct them or their plans to dictate what they can and can't do is largely the, the, the outcome of a, of a business decision. But being clear on how your organization goes to market, how it makes money, and whose decision and behavior dictates what happens. So if I'm running a skilled nursing facility, the importance of that orthopedic surgeon or that case manager knowing 
um, that I exist, that I'm a good option is more important than direct marketing to that patient. The patient's still the object. The patient's still that person where we share in the importance of outcomes, but that patient's not driving the business performance of uh, a rehabilitation or post-acute care facility. And those are the pieces where I, we, we want to get into because I can get the facts and I can talk to all the analytics that we want, but understanding the business and the economics of how healthcare organizations work and whose decisions that, that, that drive behaviors that create economic impact should be focused on. Are you, are you, are you by chance a baseball fan? <laughs> I know where this is going. It's very similar to Moneyball. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is so similar to Moneyball. <laughs> Completely similar to Moneyball. I think that is really funny that I was thinking that and you, you picked up on that right away. Yeah. 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 It, it, there's, there's a surface level. It's like you, you, it, it feels wrong to say we're not about patients. I get that. And that's that other human element. At the end of the day, all of our healthcare organizations are trying to drive outcomes. We're trying to deliver better experiences for patients and now more so now than ever for clinicians. But if we start talking about patients as if they're direct consumers, as we're, if we're Southwest Airlines, we're forgetting about all the different pieces in the middle that need to be solved for, for that actually to come to life. So profit, so I already talked for about 30 seconds, we need to talk a little bit longer about this, yeah. you know, profit being, you know, is a global consultancy company, you help big companies do important things. And you're, you're the tagline on the website, if, if, if our mm -hmm. listeners go there, is profit unleashes the power of people, businesses, and the brands to move society forward, which, um, you know, says a lot. And this idea, especially of, of you know, brands that help move society forward. Mm -hmm. talk, talk a little bit about the company's messaging and the implication of that tagline in, in the healthcare mm -hmm. division. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the big piece here is that we are an organization built for that professional or that executive or that organization, however you want to call it, that's trying to do something amazing or trying to drive impact. We are not the organization that you kind of call to optimize or cost cut. Um, and, I th it, and we're an organization that really helps our clients be clear on their purpose and how they're able to deliver that purpose. And in healthcare, uh, there's obviously about driving better outcomes, better patient experiences, but we all know how uh, businesses work. And the only way to do that is to be able to be invest in innovation. The only way to be invest in innovation is to have a growing company. If you don't have a growing company, you can't invest in innovation. And ergo, you cannot invest in better patient and clinician experiences. But there is a boldness to that. Um, and there's a difference between a, a business with a purpose or what I called earlier, you know, a startup, is that there's an ambition to do something better. It's different than a business idea. We're not talking about opening up a, a real estate company or another cupcake bakery. We're talking about those professionals that are starting a business or taking over a business to do something that nobody else has done before. Uh, and we work with them to be clear on what that ambition is so people understand it and they can buy into it, both from a, an investor perspective, a customer's perspective, and more, most importantly, an employee perspective. So people are excited about the organization they're working for, the impact that they're having. Um, we also help understand what business they're in, which is a moving target in healthcare in terms of how we're gonna make money, how we're gonna to go to market, where are we gonna drive value, where are we gonna compete more on the margins? 
Um, what does that look like from a business model perspective? And what does that look like in terms of our pipeline of innovation? How are we developing that? What do our new product development teams look like? How do they need to operate? Um, what needs to be done inside and outside the house? Um, and then how does this all end up going to market in terms of a, a new experience uh, and making sure that you're capturing the demand that you want through your marketing and sales efforts. So it's all just around this top line area of driving uncommon growth in trying for people to, to, to unlock and chase that purpose uh, that they've set out to do as an ambitious uh, executive. And that sounds strategically pragmatic. <laughs> yes, yeah. So at the end of the day, you have to do something. You have to, you have to pilot some things. You have to get some things out the door. But that's the other aspect is how do we do that as, as fast as possible, for sure, for sure. It's surprising. And I don't know if this is unique to the healthcare industry. It's probably not. But it always surprises me when I'm, you know, at a conference or, you know, I'm, I'm you know, on a Zoom call and I'm, I'm talking, and usually I'm talking with a marketing director or a chief marketing officer, you know, or somebody in the marketing team. Uh, and I'm, when I ask them about the purpose of their company, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm many times surprised how difficult a question that is for them to answer. Mm -hmm. it, it is. I, I think there is, there's a bias in our, in our, in our world, on all industries is, we begin to adapt language from industry analysts of you're in this sector or that subsector, or here's your peer group. Um, but when you ask a question going, if your company didn't exist tomorrow, what would the world be missing? Right. And it's surprising that many people can't answer that question. Or um, I, I was laughing, I was listening to all, overhearing all kinds of conversations at ASCO, the, the oncology conference early in the year where people are talking about careers and, and I just completely eavesdropping on this one person talking about, well, I'm going to stay at this company till I get promoted. And I'm going to turn to another one. But I, but I think it's funny is my CEO keeps on thinking that people stay here for the patients, but look around, there's thousands of companies that are here working about patients. So try to be clear in the role that you're playing is, is difficult. The other thing that compounds it is usually the organizations that we're working with are growing organically and inorganically. And most acquisition deals are designed for some kind of financial outcome where, oh, this business is margins shrinking, but this small business over here has great margins. And if we plug into the distribution channel here, we can get a great diversified balance sheet or income statement. And that deal happens or it'll happen four or five times in a row. And they go, oh, wait, what did we just assemble? And they don't know how to articulate that customer value outside. They know why their financials look better. Um, but, but they don't know how it glues together to a bigger story other than still selling the five companies they used to book before. But we do a lot of work in that space um, because of those biases of classifying in investor categories or we just acquired some companies to survive and we don't know how to tell the, the one plus one equals three story. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell me what you do. Tell me what the purpose is, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. that, that's really interesting. So I, I talked about my 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 opening uh, introduction to you that you are uh, a, a podcast host times two. So you've got your microdosing podcast that you host, and then you're a co-host of uh, Healthcare Transformers, which is uh, Profits uh, Healthcare mm -hmm. Healthcare Vertical Podcast. So. Talk a little bit about, about microdosing, um, you know, the, the purpose of that picker show and, and your reason for, for starting the show. And I, I know you and I talked about that when we met in person um, 
it was last mm-hmm. year or earlier this year. But uh, yeah, yeah, Vive, yeah. Yeah, at Vive. We met at Vive, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But for the benefit of our audiences, talk a little bit about microdosing because it's, it's a fascinating, uh, I don't want to say uh, little podcast because not little in terms of ideas <laughs> or conversations, but in terms of length of a traditional podcast. Yeah, it, it's, it's, there's, there's some thought to it and there's some serendipity to it. Uh, and there's a whole lot of Paul <laughs> kind of coming through <laughs> that podcast. There is a lot of, there, it is, it is you all, it's all you. Yes. 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 <laughs> and, and there's an, there's an outlet for that. Um, so it, it came about because I, I have so many great conversations every week or every day, like, like the one we're having right now. And there's always different things I'm taking away from it. And I might reuse that in another conversation as I try to explain things or understand. And I also feel it's, it's part of my responsibility as, as a consultant is to be as aware of many emerging trends and facts as possible. And I think we can all read reports and stay in the know, but there's some kind of magic in these stories and there's also this little devil on my shoulder that I, I just want to be more frank with some things that I, I don't think I'm often able to do, um, you know, in, in certain settings. And then the, the tipping point um, for me was I was listening to some clubhouse conversations. I, I, was, I was 2021. I was starting to kind of dabble in clubhouse and I've since kind of rolled off because it's a little bit. Uh, for a number of different reasons, it's just not it fits my schedule. But I looked down on my phone and it was at the 17 minute mark of a panel conversation with four physicians and they were still doing inter- uh, their introductions. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> and the arc was something like this. It's biased, but it because of memory recall, but it's not that far off is they're going, well, it's the triple aim or the quadruple aim. Well, I'd call it the quintuple aim. But we were approaching 20 minutes and not one piece of substantive content came out of their mouth. And I just you stopped that, stopped that conference and, and went on to um, listen to something else. But I'm just like, we need to be talking about more tangible things in healthcare. And speaking of the Vive conference, there was a, uh, a panel I was watching and two panelists were talking about, well, we really need to change the term of such and such. And one, the, the third panelist goes, is it the word? Seriously? If we change the word, will that solve the problem? And it was just like a, was, you could hear crickets after that. I wanted to walk up to the stage and hug her. I love that comment so much. <laughs> um, but, but that's, that's where microdosing comes in where it's like, I don't want long winded content. Um, I want to talk about tangible things, a person, a product, a business, a story, make the point and, and, and that's it. And you know, it's a mix of op-ed where I kind of come in and, and highlight that and give my two cents and kind of get some snide remarks of like, we don't need integrity as a value anymore. If that's what you strive to be, I think you need a higher bar um, to, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, why, why Haven collapsed and, and things I think they could have uh, done differently. Um, and then my interviews have been a lot of fun. Um, the tricky part is I like to keep my the microdosing stuff to a few minutes and it's, it's hard to do an interview in a few minutes without feeling feeling rude, but it's, but it's great to kind of just do batches of, of seasons where it's like, okay, here's some physicians that are doing something interesting. Here's some podcasters that are doing something interesting. Uh, and then I've started dabbling with um, conferences where, you know, I just did a man on the street 
at ASCO going, we got a bunch of people here that want to share their stories and a lot of people that can't make the event. Let's go collect them and share them. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a little bit of um, structured and thinking, but mostly you're just seeing me have some fun and you're actually seeing me develop a product in market as I go. Right, right. Listeners, check it out on Apple. We can find it anywhere. And so Healthcare Transformers, which is a podcast uh, started by by profit for the, for the healthcare division. You're one of mm-hmm. one of um, three co-hosts. Yep, yep. And uh, I'm proud to say that we syndicated on Healthcare Now Radio, and it's a it's a it is a it is a welcome addition to our uh, our network of network of shows. So uh, for our audience who's unfamiliar with health, healthcare transformers. Uh, what is what is the show about? What is the purpose of healthcare transformers and the conversations that you and your co-hosts are having? Yeah, this is a it's it's a little bit of a different take. I mean, there's there's some shared DNA between the two podcasts, but with Profit Healthcare Transformers, um, it, it's much more aligned to where profit plays and more around transformation. Um, you know, senior executives um, around how to think about it. Cause I think transformation is one of those terms that has now a lot of baggage around it, a lot of misinterpretation, but it's still being used. So, so we're not running away from it, but we want to begin to contextualize it more so from an academic white paper industry report or framework, but really get into the stories of those driving transformation. Um, because if you've ever led a transformation or been part of one, they're scary. And, and where some people talk like, well, transformation doesn't have to be crazy or scary. I'm like, well, if it's not, then that's just innovation or that's evolution. And you should be doing that as a business no matter what. Right. But, but, tra- but transformation, whether it's business transformation, functional transformation, it could be big or small, is saying we are going to make a major pivot and begin considering either abandoning or diversifying away from a core competency, which is crazy to think about. So on that, there's a lot of things that you have to learn along the way that you don't know you don't know. And just as anxiety-ridden as an organization is going through transformation, leaderships have that same thing, probably twofold, because their direct employees want answers that they may or may not have, but to be able to share stories around what to expect, what have we learned, what could I do differently? So not only do the leaders have what it takes from a, how to think about it, but also kind of what to expect in that journey is really what it's all about. Uh, And we've had some great conversations throughout the year from all different dimensions, from payers, providers, life science organization, those in startups, those at large enterprises, those that have been doing transformation at the same organization for 10 years, and those that have done transformations at 10 different organizations. But it's each one has a, a number of new ahas that we get out of it. And we're just excited to uh, share those stories more broadly. Yeah, it's a great show. And I, I, I love the fact that you, you're sort of you're differentiating between innovation, which in my mind is taking something and making it better or more useful or but you know it's 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 you know it's a basic 
I'm a baker, but you know, how mm-hmm. do you take a, you know, a small little cake and turn it into, you know, this big wedding cake, right? Transformation right. is transforming something into something else. It's literally right. like that movie, you know, you're going to transform <laughs> from one thing into another, which is a whole lot scarier. The conversations that you have and, uh, uh, you know, all the guests are, are, are terrific and you, you and your co-hosts are great at, you know, sticking really to that theme. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the, the way I usually kind of serve it up is if, if you make a device right now that reports vital signs and it has a little beep that goes off when it's wrong. Well, now you probably have that integrated into an EMR system. And at what point can you just give that device away and sell the software? And that's a completely different business model. You're still kind of in the same space, but, but you're making money in a different way. Or um, a lot of people now have to play in the cracks. If, if, if you talk about value-based care, and then talk about reimbursement as a separate thing. That's not value-based care. So if you want to do value-based care, you need a piece of your business that's a payer, a piece of your business that's a provider, because the payer side, you have to get that premium. So you've got revenue coming in. So whether that patient's healthy or not, you're still getting revenue and you need to be a provider. So you're able to kind of do something about it. But these different things of going, oh, if we're going to promise something different and deliver a different experience, you actually have to think about your business differently. And that's that to your point, it's, it's, that's a transformation. It's not innovation. It's not launching a, a drug in a better way or being a better hospital. But if you're going from a hospital to an accountable care organization, you're actually becoming a payer and you're not competing over patient visits. You begin p- competing over open enrollment. And those are all many big ahas, um, particularly in that space, as, as, as I see people's jaws drop going, most people like their provider and their health, health system. They hate their insurance company. So the moment you go, you're you're not a hospital, you're an ACO, you're going from a right. love category to a hated category right. and a completely different set of competitors. And it's that that's that's where we play. And that's that's part of the podcast is trying to understand when those things come up, how do you absorb it? How do you explain it? How do you keep your leadership team on board and your peers and, and bring your organization along with you? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a great example of of you know a trans a transformative idea. Yeah. We're going to uh, wrap up our conversation with, with, with my sort of standard clothes, which is you know, probably used by a lot of podcasters, but what's, <laughs> what's next for profit and, and, and what's next for you? Um, yeah. Where, where do I start? I think I, I've been at profit for 15 years and, it, and it's great that we're an organization that, that walks the talk. I think we've been, a, yeah. I've gone through three or four different chapters of who profit is and what we do. And I think the way I've contributed and delivered value to the organization and my clients has changed uh, several times. Um, and I expect that to, to continue to happen. Um, I think what's been nice for us is we've been in a fortunate spot where our latest chapter of transformation uh, began about three or four years ago. And I think we were on the right side of the line when the pandemic hit, where it wow. actually accelerated our growth quite substantially. Um, where I think organizations are more comfortable, um, more and more coming to us and more importantly, coming back to us um, in terms of their transformation needs or growth needs, where we're doing more and more, you know, new business model and innovation, uh, more product development, really trying to think about experiences in twofold. I think particularly in healthcare, there is um, the, the patient experience for healthcare consumerism, um, but what we've learned in spades, which is not a new issue, it's just for some reason we've decided to start paying attention to it, which is employee experience, whether that is a nursing experience, a pharmacist experience, 
but we are crushing our healthcare workers right now. And we're trying to get them to do more or do things differently. So we really have to step back and rethink how we are deploying our organizations in a way that's sustainable, not only battles for talent, but um, it is a rewarding place to work and build a career because I think a lot of people right now who are considering healthcare are having second thoughts or are actually going into the business side. There's probably many talented physicians I know that are a chief medical officer somewhere at a startup and are practicing because it's healthier for them and they believe they can have a bigger impact. But but this nursing and doctor and pharmacist shortage is just wrecking us these days. So a lot of work in that space. And that's where I think we're hoping to, to continue to grow and help our clients grow. Yeah. And for you personally, I think uh, we already talked about this, but I'm going to see you at health in Las Vegas in uh, November. Yeah, I'll see you there. And I think I'm going to see most of the healthcare world there. It's going to be a, I uh, a big I know. Turnout. It's going to be, a, I, I think it is going to be a big turnout. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that crew at Health has just done a fantastic job of just cultivating better conferences. I used to be a real conference cynic and there's lots I just, I loathe going to. Yeah. Uh, but whether it's health or this, I mean, I'm surprised how well Vive went in its first year. But, but hats off to, to all, uh, Richard and, and the crew over there. Yep. They did a great event. They did. They did. They were, you know, Vive, of course, you know, with a partnership with Chime. And that, that marriage seemed to work very well. And uh, health is, I think this, we've gone every year. But I think this is fourth or fifth year. Fourth or fifth. I, I forget, you know, we, there was a year virtual with COVID. Uh, but we're, we're excited. And I cannot wait to catch up with you in person. Yeah, I'm excited to see the media room. That is clearly the coolest place at any event. It's just <laughs> the mood, the vibe. You would not let me leave that room without like, bringing like eight snacks with me. I just love that. I remember. <laughs> I remember. All right. The media room it is. Or a bar. It could or be bar, the other. Yes. Or both. Yes. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Great catching up as always. Carol, this has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. You can learn more about Paul at Profit.com and be sure to find both his healthcare transformers and microdosing podcasts on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to connect with him on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Paul Schrimpf. That's S-C-H-R-I-M-P-F. You can learn more about this show at healthcarenightradio.com. Have a topic or guest suggestion for the show? Email me at carol at healthcarenightradio.com and be sure to connect with me on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Until next time, I want to know what's your tagline.